definition sound. So stoked to have um, you yeah. doing this thing, man. I, um, when Andrew and I first started talking about doing it, I definitely, you were, you were someone I had on my radar of, of wanting to talk to yeah, you man. about this stuff because I feel like we've, uh, we've had some conversations over the years about, about religion and spirituality. Um, so, and, and I've enjoyed those conversations and it's, uh, I think it, it'll be very interesting for me to get to talk to you about this stuff now because, uh, Seth and I are childhood friends. Like we've known each other yeah. for as, for, you know, as from probably from like elementary school, I'm a year older, like as far yeah. as, uh, graduating classes, but yeah. we grew up playing roller hockey together like a part of the mm -hmm. southern california roller hockey explosion like we were playing in some of those like first leagues yeah. that existed my my older brother joel who is a uh he's eight years older than me so he's a couple years older than you dan um roller hockey was like a, a big thing for him southern california yeah yeah yeah, yeah so. we uh that was back when they used to make like rinks out of like asphalt parking lots behind schools and stuff like that. Yeah, right? dude. Hay bales. They would like for, put for up hay, put up hay bales. <laughs> yeah, I remember the the YMC didn't the YMCA. Did you play at the y, that YMCA yeah, league? Yeah, that league was. Yeah, wild it was just like the hay bales, like on on the <laughs> rink. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was it was nuts, and they would just like put up like plywood on the side of the hay bales and treat them like boards, and they tried to like, dude. And I though like my biggest memory from that is just watching my dad who can't skate to save his life. Just like he wanted to be a referee and volunteer though. So he would just like <laughs> run around and chase us on the ice on his feet. Dude. Oh man. I still laugh about that sometimes. That's so funny. But That's uh, Oh man. Good times. But yeah, we, we go, we go way back. And during that time, we probably just, you know, were more acquaintances and, and knew who each other were and maybe like saw each other within the same circles. But after yeah. we had both graduated high school, we started hanging around the same circles of people very often. And then Seth would eventually join the band that I was in yeah. with a few other dudes that Andrew has met at least one or I think both of them, you've met Ryan and Bert. So, yeah. and, and Amato, I mean, Amato, Amato doesn't he live up there? Amato played in Andrew's band towards the oh, end of it. Yeah. That's, so sick. That's sweet, dude. So, um, yeah, he's a good drummer. Shout out to Ryan. So yeah, we spent a lot of our, I don't know, that eighteen to twenty four, I guess, up until yeah. everybody kind of like started going separate ways, and you were obviously like gone for a couple of years in Argentina, doing your mm -hmm. mission, and I'm sure we will we will touch on that. But it's it's cool to have sure. like a childhood yeah. friend do something like this because. I would assume that both of our ideas ideas are are much more evolved than they were as as young people. Um, yeah, that's been that's gonna be fascinating for me to come to circle back on some stuff that we may have touched on before. I just realize how much we've you know, yeah, like you said, evolved is a good word because it's not so much grown as it is like, yeah, you just develop yeah, ideas right, right. and refine them. Definitely. So, I know that you grew up in in a Mormon household. You know, that was, was, I mean, it was, it was half, I mean, if you wanted to go like strictly, it was half Mormon really. Cause my dad, my dad was never a member, right? Yeah. So definitely it was my, it was my mom who was religious. Was your, dad, yeah, go ahead, sorry. was your dad religious at all or just, um, I don't think he goes. So he, 
he grew up in a, in a Catholic household. His mom uh, was born in Nova Scotia, uh, and then and then came immigrated, uh, married a man here, who uh, I never met. I don't know who he is. Uh, but um, then raised my dad by herself, and like Catholic, I guess, but he never went to church. Right. Interesting. Um, so. So. Yeah, essentially, you know, for lack of a better term, just like not religious, really. But married essentially your mom, who was right. who definitely was right so yeah huh how yeah and it's 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 just interesting to hear them tell it because when, when he when he talks about when he met my mom he's just like yeah there was just like she believed a lot of things that i believed in and she was she was she was different right and i i, I don't i don't say that to mean that like like non-religious i just mean that she was a principled woman right she had she had principles and right. she lived by those principles right and that was kind of what drew him to her even though he'd never been religious but he's yeah like, but he probably also he believed in like you know some of those same principles like just just goodness and and beauty right. and like yeah those things that we want that make life rich and interesting and so yeah yeah that makes sense exactly so how how deep on your mom's side how far back does um the Mormon religion run there? Oh, um, you know, I, I think it, it pretty far, at least a couple generations. Um, on my mom's side, it's, uh, so we had, we had some singletons and some dops that lived in, um, St. Anthony, Idaho, uh, back in the day, the dops were descended from German immigrants. Um, and I believe that when they got here, um, they, uh, they immigrated obviously. And then, um, uh, converted at some point, either three or four generations back. So, um, I think it was probably post, like it would have been after like the starting, like after 1830 when the church was formed. Right. Um, but it was before, uh, you, well, it might've been after Utah became a state too, though, though, actually I'm not, I'm not real specific on the dates, but it's a couple generations for sure that, that that goes back that we can trace it back to. Them. And then again, it kind of gets muddy as genealogy usually does once you get, you know, right, asked, right. Where people were keeping accurate records. Honestly, in order to know for sure, I'd probably have to go back to Scotland uh, or Germany to like look at local censuses and stuff like that, which is something I want to do, but it's just it's, it's out of reach at the moment. So, what's going on that would prevent that right now? I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, it's just I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, I'm just kidding. I I I, 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 I could insane. drop everything. Yeah, I could well, drop everything and go after. Yeah, not right now. You obviously. couldn't fly. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't fly to Scotland if your fucking life yeah. depended on it right now because the whole That's world true. has canceled America because we are the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're not doing great. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, so no, and it, it it it's it wouldn't be sensible to fly right now anyway. So. I mean, just from a purely personal standpoint, I probably wouldn't just because sure, sure. not a good idea. But so anyway. t tell us um, just about like your religious upbringing. Yeah. Um, and, and feel free to like share what you feel comfortable sharing. You know, no mm -hmm. pressure to, you know, dig deep or anything. But yeah, just like what was it like in your, your household as far as the the religion and and that influence yeah i think uh that's a good question it's a big question i'll i'll, I'll do what i can to be concise yeah, uh, yeah i mean i mean you don't have to be concise yeah we you got can, time yeah <laughs> sure all right yeah start at the beginning might... and, and walk us through it cool uh well so my earliest my earliest memories of like church and religion and stuff like that were um were are pretty vague actually i don't i don't remember a ton 
I, I would say that I probably had the traditional Mormon, um, Mormon upbringing in the sense that uh, I, I, I grew up inside the church. I was baptized when I was eight. I was involved in the local, local ward. Uh, I, I received the priesthood first when I was 12. You know, all the steps that you normally see at, at, at each point that I was eligible to advance or whatever, I did that. And that's, that's fairly like, that's what's considered, I guess, um, for better or for worse to be the normal you know, LDS youth let, upbringing. Let me upbringing. ask you this. Before you were 12, yeah, um, or even before you were eight, maybe, do you remember having – because, you know, I grew up in, in a Christian church as well and, like um, – yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot when you're young, you're sort of just going through the motions and like, I don't know, you, the world is fucking weird. Like you just sort of believe whatever yeah. is presented to you. And for sure. But do you remember having like a personal experience, like religious experience, God experience, mystical experience, whatever you want to call it, like as a yeah. child, like pre 12 years old, do you remember having like anything that was like, sort of like, yeah, sort of like rooted you in like, oh, there's yeah. something true here. Cause I just like encountered this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question actually. So that is, that is probably like my earliest concrete memory of my own personal belief is like, yeah, when I was 11, um, I remember cause everybody, there's this thing. Um, uh, it's a big, a, a cultural, culturally accepted kind of, uh, I guess you call it a rite of passage, but it's like a personal kind of step that you're expected to take at some point during uh, your membership in the Mormon religion, which is kneel down and pray about it. Right. Um, that's what we asked people to do when we were missionaries. And that's what kind of, uh, is the last, like, Hey, we've told you all this stuff, but you got, you've still got to develop your own connection with it or find your own truth in it or something like that. Right. And that, that's what I felt like the point was. Right. And I realized, I think at some point, and it just happened to be when I was 12, like, I don't think I, I don't think I'd ever done it for myself. Right. Like, obviously my mom had knelt down with me and we'd had prayers together. And I, I, you know, as a kid, you obviously memorize the rote, like this is the, the form of a prayer, I guess, that I'm supposed to follow, but you never really personalize it until you realize, or until you feel that kind of yearning, like, Hey, these people seem to know something that I don't. So why don't I check it out? Right. And so, um, I did that when I was 11 and I, I just remember, the only thing I remember, it's not like concrete thoughts or, or anything like that, but I do remember uh, a profound feeling of, of peace and just that I was known and that there was, um, right, that there was someone that cared about me. And I, I don't know if I get, got that idea of someone just from being a human being and, and like there's some other intelligence out there, right, that, that cares about me. Or if it was just a sense of con connection and, and purpose and, and place in the universe, right? But I just I think that was the point where I was just like, okay, like I don't know what this is, but there's it's something, right? There's something here um, worth exploring because now right. you've had this like, yeah, deeply profound experience that yeah. sort of, that can animate through you. So exactly, cool. Was there any sense of like of a burden at all of like receiving the priesthood at, at such a young age yeah for you i mean yeah i think i think it's a it's an interesting dynamic right because obviously me being in the personal position i am right um and i assume other people have felt this way too like you, you know something's there and, you, and you're being told okay if you want to get closer to that thing this is what you do right 
um, or if you want to understand it more or develop a deeper relationship with it or whatever. Right. And so it's, it's like, you feel you, you genuinely want to get, you want to, uh, deepen that connection because it feels good and it feels peaceful. And it's the time in your life when you feel the most whole. Right. But then also on the other side of that, you feel like you're being, you're being presented with this like checklist. Right. Um, and, and that checklist is do this, do this, do this, do this. And, um, I, I think, I think that in some sense it's meant to like simplify the process, right? The intention is probably not to create, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, Pharisees, but, uh, in the, so sorry, I didn't, wasn't holding my mic. Um, you're good. No worries. I was just, I just was, uh, was reading something the other day about, do you know of like, uh, are you familiar at all with, with Nietzsche? Yeah, so I, I don't know his specific teachings. So I don't know who he sure. is. He's, yeah, a, yeah. he's, so a, nail, he's, yeah, he's a nihilist, right? German, German philosopher. But yeah. he had this sort of story of like, um, you know, you are of the, th- of the three stages of life. And the first stage is you're a camel, and then you become a lion, and then, and then you become a child. Um, yeah. And the camel is basically like, yeah, you just sit down and you just get loaded up with stuff that you mm-hmm. then have to carry. Um, and I think that like, and there are other spiritual teachers that talk about this of sort of like the importance of like your early years of life, of there being some structure of you sort of actually being told what to do and what the rules are so that then later on in life, you, you understand the right ways to break them. If that makes sense, yeah. like as a lion or, or as a mm-hmm. child, which is, you know, the child is sort of the final stage. Cause then you're just sort of like full of wonder again. Um, yeah. but I think that's an interesting concept. I remember having like a, a deep conversation with a fraternity brother in college about he, he wasn't religious, but he was like, I will raise my children in the yeah. church. And I was like, why would yeah. you do, why would you raise them in something you don't believe in? And he was just like, dude, you got like your early years in life. Like you need the structure and the authority. It helps, yeah. it helps you frame the world appropriately if you're raised that way. Um, and I think it can backfire in a lot of ways, but um, yeah. it can also, yeah, it can also give you like a really good framework to sort of like a springboard to, to jump from spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, w- I, I, I like that. I like that a lot actually. Um, that you know the the need the need for structure doesn't imply that the structure is the end of it you know what i mean right right yeah it's it's and i think that i think that when problems do arise it's because people start to worship the structure instead of worshiping or or even not not like they seek to attain whatever i i, I say worship but stuck. i mean i, I just mean emulate right stuck. yeah there are a lot of people that get stuck in the camel phase and yeah. it's like no you're this was just the initial framework for you to then like yeah you're supposed to move beyond it at some point um, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that you, you know, go crazy or whatever, but right. Yeah. But, Anyways, but also for you, what, like, it seems like since you realize so early on that this was supposed to be like a personal journey, there mm. was like a, was there like a tough balance for you to like, with this whole checklist situation and, and figuring out how that worked in with the personal journey? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, so you, you have, you have a, probably you were around for a lot of like the bigger, deeper struggles that I had when you become a teenager and you start to wrestle with, uh, you know, your identity and you're starting to understand that there's, you know, there's something deeper out there than what you've been prescribed in this very safe environment at home. And, 
um, you want to explore all those things, but then there's all these hands grabbing at you and say, don't explore that you're going to die or, or whatever. Right. Um, and I think, so my mother who is a, a, a saint, like I, I love my mom. Uh, she's great. But I think that she, uh, certainly had her structure, right. That she believed was the, the place that kept, kept her safe. Right. Um, and she saw me kind of pushing against the boundaries of that structure Yeah, man. and, and, and struggled to real kind of try to reel me in. Cause she was worried. She's, and she still does. She still worries, but I, I, I experienced that worry differently now, obviously than I did when I was a teenager, but, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's hard. I think, uh, as for many, many youth in the situation that I was in, because they perceive that, uh, worry as a lack of trust. or they perceive that as, um, um, they tie, they tie that acceptance in that religious community. So, so intricately with their sense of worth and their sense of humanity that if they, if they perceive that, you know, they've disappointed someone or whatever, it can be, it can be, it can be world shattering a lot of times if, 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 if they don't experience love, right. As uh, from that community primarily, instead of, you know, uh, whatever it is. Well, especially when that community has been pitched to you as like, this is it. Like nothing means anything without this. So yeah, I mean like the worldly Mm -hmm. approval, like, you know, your guitar teacher being like, dude, you fucking kill a guitar. That Mm -hmm. sort of means nothing compared to like, you know, a pastor or a priest or someone within the church being like, Hey, I approve of you, of your soul, of your heart, Mm -hmm. like as a person. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, they're just, yeah, it's hard to equate them, especially when you're, when you're young, uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. easy to sort of get lost in that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, dude. But do you think a lot of, I don't know, I recognize you as like one of these people that is obviously like finds a lot of value in religion and your spirituality. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but I also recognize you as like this person that's a really free thinker. Um, do you think, do you think that's because you're, you're, you didn't always surround yourself with just like your Mormon community. Like I know you from people like you were the only Mormon person, like within our groups pretty much, you know? Um, do you feel like those relationships informed your perspective a lot? Like growing up? I think, I think I have always, um, I've always, if, if you can, I, I don't know if it's whether by design or just by happenstance, but it, I benefited from uh, almost never being comfortable wherever I was, right? Um, and having to learn to be comfortable with the discomfort, I guess, right? Or, or having my assumptions challenged because I, I didn't even fit in, honestly, really in, in the Mormon culture. I came from a part member family. I, I didn't grow up knowing about the priesthood. I was very obviously on the outside of a lot of those discussions that, you know, families that were the traditional nuclear yeah, like uh, Mormon a, family a had, right? Be having with a son. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I just and want I, to say too, that like getting, getting comfortable with discomfort is like, that is the, the zhuzh of life. It's where the that's magic it. is. That's it right there. That's how, that's, you yeah. just summed it up. So anyways. yeah, absolutely. And, if, and like, so Dan touched on the fact that we've evolved. And one of the ways that I noticed, I have noticed myself consistently evolving in is in my understanding of just how how many areas of life that applies right whether it's um whether it's your personal beliefs about the world 
or how you're supposed to apply them in your relationships with others, or whether it's learning a skill like a language or the guitar, or whether it's, it's, it's anything, it's, it's competition, it's sports, it's, it's the workplace, all that stuff. You know, uh, life in general, I've come to believe is designed or just, I, I mean, I, I believe that it was designed, right? So I believe this, this experience was di- designed to hit us where we're weakest so that we can become strong in those areas. And we can only become strong in those areas if we learn to become comfortable with the learning process, which is un- an uncomfortable process by nature, right? So Seth came to drop knowledge on this podcast. God dang. That's, I, that's why I wanted no. him to come. Yeah, that's good, man. <laughs> that's some good shit. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think you, you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I, I think I always, like, from the conversations we would have about, like, religion or spirituality, too, I just feel like you, from an early age, just like you recognize that it's, like, a personal journey, that, like, mm. that you were, like, infatuated a little bit with the mystery of it. And, like, yeah. that's what... I think like a big reason that Andrew and I do this is like kind of tapping into that stuff of like the more mystical side of it and just the mystery of the, the whole thing and the, the personal like hero's journey of it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, but fuck man, I remember like before you going on your mission, like you were like struggling to like know if that was the right move. Like, oh, yeah, that was like, I remember that being a big time in your life of like the pushback of like, yo, should I really commit to like going to Argentina for two years or like doing this thing? And yeah, just, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. There was, there was a lot of, there was, there was a lot of doubt, you know, at that, at that period of my life. And I think that that's, that's a common thread. It's normal to feel. uncertain about things for anybody at that Um, age no matter what you're getting into yeah absolutely um and so i don't i don't know looking back on it honestly um i obviously have no regrets i had a great time in argentina uh i I would recommend living in a foreign country to anybody um for for an extended period of time and then kind of immersing yourself if you're going to do it though put your flag in your back pocket is kind of the saying that uh that we had as missionaries like integrate right be willing be willing to let the culture wash over you don't go in as an American, just go in as a human being be like, you know, experience it. That's what I would say. That's, that's where you get the most value out of it, I think. But, um, if I had stayed, if I had joined the, uh, the air force, which is the another thing, another option that was available to me at the time, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, the, if I had, I feel like there would have been value in those experiences. You know what I mean? Like you learn, I think when you grow older that it's not, it's the content of the experience or the specifics of the experience don't really, or the path through life they're not nearly as important as how you approach it and, and, and your perspective as you go through those experiences. Right. Um, that would be my advice. If I had a teenager today, I don't have a teenager, but if I did, I'd just be like, dude, I know it's hard not to sweat it, but just do it, do what feels good. Do something good. Right. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to, it's hard for those things to click in for you at at an earlier age though. And like, Oh yeah. Like, I feel like people are always trying to communicate that to you in some way as you're, as you're growing up and you're just like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, (laughs) that's true. Actually, I'm sure there are people that like, I'm sure that there were people that tried to tell me that. And I was just like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I can't tell you how many times growing up the message of like, Hey, like money doesn't buy happiness was sold to me (laughs) through conversations and Disney movies and whatever. And it took me like, yeah, like getting some money to really realize like, oh yeah, it doesn't. 
<laughs> you know, like I had to, yeah, yeah, yeah. had to experience the, uh, the cliche to realize how true it was. And I think so much, so much of life is like that. Yeah. Not only that, I think there's, there's a, there's a contextual issue with the way that that phrase is kind of uttered. I think it's important to teach kids that not everything is money, but like you, you need some money, right? Yeah, because Everybody, it's also free. Every, it's your financial yeah. freedom. Like yeah. it's right. it's yeah. it's the ultimate. Like in this yeah. world, like it and is the kid, ultimate game changer. I think for you're yourself. right, Seth. Like as a kid, you're very much like it's all or nothing. So if money doesn't buy mm-hmm. happiness, then like I'll just go live naked in the woods and then I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, no, no. Yeah. That's just like it's about the way that you view it. It's the it's the yeah. way that you see the world and see money. It's not the money itself, like necessarily. Absolutely. Your relationship with money is the key, right? It's, it's always going to be there. It's going to be a tool. It's a means to an, to an end, right? To provide for yourself and for your, for your family and for the people that you love. Right. But it's, it's, it is not the end yeah. right? that you're, that you're after. So um, that's for sure. Do you feel like it was like maybe in high school where you start to develop some doubt within things or um, just kind of seeing that like, maybe you don't like quite understand like what these metaphors are supposed to mean or like this is like real far out. And I just like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and I think that um, that's the value of a, of a quote unquote liberal education, right? Not liberal. So when I say liberal, I don't mean the way that we use it in politics. I mean, uh, liberal as in, uh, uh, like, uh, free and, uh, open access available, that sort of thing. You're, you're experiencing everything at once. Right. Um, that to me is the value of that because you're exposed to a lot of ideas at the same time. And, and you're allowed to consume those ideas almost without, uh, without limit if you want to. Um, and, uh, that, yeah, that will cast doubt on anybody's assumptions, I think about life and the way that things work. And that's a, that's a good thing. It's uncomfortable obviously, but, um, so this yeah, is, in high school I think the thing with like growing up with some restrictions is yeah. when you're talking about like a liberal education, like, and being mm-hmm. flooded with information, if you haven't yeah. already built some walls and some gates for yourself, then there's nothing for the water to hit, mm-hmm. you know, like there's nothing for, there's nothing for your mind to engage with. And so that's part of, I guess, the value that I see in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just have, have Absolutely. Yeah, but, but like, yeah, we had, uh, I mean, the, the history classes that, I mean, even, even still, I recognize now how like, how like whitewashed and kind of, uh, you know, doctored the history that, sure. that was taught Anyone was. Anyone in America <laughs> that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all so learning just, that it's a lie. <laughs> Everyone is seeing that it's... Uh, um, it's, it's, it's the truth from a very specific white, rich perspective, landowning perspective, yes, right? Yeah, it's, for it's, sure. Uh, um, so it, I, learning, it, it sets you up, I think, uh, in a good way to uh, allow you to kind of grow and, and understand that like, no, this isn't the only place where there's truth, right? This isn't, this isn't the only access. I don't have to, like within the, the walls of my church, it's not the only place to gain understanding about the world and the way it works. Actually, the, the best place to do it is just by talking to each other and communicating, right? Sharing ideas. Um, and I think that, yeah, that, that drives you to challenge. And it should at least drive you to challenge your beliefs and, and to maybe doubt them a little bit or be skeptical at least of what you're told, right? Yeah. Did that click in for you pretty early or like being conscious of no, it because you were obviously I, I, doing it. Like I was saying, like, mm-hmm, I know that yeah. you, you were always around people that didn't identify as Mormon. Yeah. A lot. Like, and I knew that yeah. I liked that. I always knew that I liked that about, or I, I liked not being around people that were the same as me. Um, yeah. You made space for those relationships. 
Right. Right. I, I don't think that I understood it. Um, uh, not to the extent that like I do now, right. Where I, I openly, I openly seek diversity of thought, right. Because I understand the the value that it has. It's my college education that put me there. It's a combination of probably my mission, experiencing Argentina, the differences in culture and things like that. And then a few key classes that I could point to in college that I took from professors that were outside of the mold of the normal conservative professor at at a conservative university. Right. Um, But that taught us, you know, things that uh, challenge our assumptions about people and, and, and the way and the way that they are and the way that they act and why they act that way. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't until probably my mid twenties that I really started to maybe put a label or put a name to that feeling that I was feeling. Right. Yeah. Um, but tell me about if you can, like one of these, one of these college courses, did you, where did you go to school? Did you go to BYU? I went to BYU, Idaho, which is even worse. Um, not worse. I, I, I actually, so here's the thing. I, most, most people who go to BYU, Idaho will talk disparagingly, like lovingly disparagingly about it. Right. Sure. Cause it's, it's kind of its own little weird bubble. Right. But I, I'll be honest. I had really good relationships with my professors and I had a good experience for the most part. And I, I was selective again. I was selective about the people that I chose to associate with. Right. Because you recognize really early on that it's important and it's totally your right to set boundaries. Right. Uh, about who you interact with. For sure. and stuff, Right. So I, my, my personally, my experience uh, was, was, was good there. I had a, um, a uh, professor of Middle Eastern studies, actually named Matthew Woolery, who's a psychologist. He um, had taught at the American University in Cairo for a long time, lived in Syria with his daughters and his family, um, and just brought a really, really fresh, especially the timing of it. Right, um, this is uh, would have been right in the middle of the Afghan War, right, right, right in the thick of all that. Um, when there are, I mean, there's there are still tensions between the Muslim Americans and 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 white Americans, but. Uh, but at this point there was, it was highest. Right. And there were a lot of misconceptions. I think that we were, we've, we're taught, especially if you're in a conservative bubble school or like ideas that get perpetuated in an, in an echo chamber. And he, he set out to like challenge those and say, no, I've been there. I've lived with these people. They're, they're beautiful. Like they're beautiful people. And this is what they believe. And this is why they believe it. Let you, let me understand, let help you understand why that culture yeah. is the way it is. Dude. I mean, one unintended sort of like thing that has happened with this podcast I mean, you're yeah. our, you're our fourth Mormon guest, and I feel yeah. like Dan and I had a whole fuck ton of misconceptions about Mormonism before talking to people who were actually raised Mormon, and then realizing like, oh wow, yeah. okay, like yeah, I was completely wrong about a lot of this, or that's basically just a rumor. And it's interesting to me that like human nature is so fucking fussy that even if you are in a group of people. Like you had to know growing up as a Mormon that there were a bunch of misconceptions about the Mormon church, right? I mean, we almost, I think like we, we waved those things as a banner. Like we, right. like but you Mormon, knew, Mormons you love knew, to be persecuted. <laughs> yeah. You knew that people were yeah. out there being like, they believe that fucking God and Jesus and <laughs> yeah. Muhammad are cousins up in heaven. Just right. fucking jerking. Each other. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? So yeah. but it's just so interesting yeah. that like you can be on the receiving end of that and then still have your own misconception. And I mean, I've had, I still have many misconceptions, but I had all, I grew yeah. up in the same fucking America that you did. So like, yeah. I had my own weird shit that I had to learn about Islam and, and being Muslim and, and recognizing that like, yeah, yeah, all of that shit. It's just so interesting that like, yeah, even you being sort of like on the, like 
I would say Mormonism is like almost as fringy as Islam in America in a way. I mean, especially yeah. like numbers wise, right? We're not talking yeah. about like a third of the country. So no. yeah, it's it's interesting that you yeah, that you would still like sort of struggle with that and need someone to sort of like lay it out for you in terms of like and I and I mean you in a very general sense, right? I'm not talking about yeah. you specifically, but just like people in general need someone to lay out for them this very basic principle of just like, hey, right. everyone is still a fucking like person with wants and needs and yeah. desires and like their own mystical experiences and their own relationship to God or the divine or whatever and like yeah, yeah, it just goes, it's so much deeper. And there are nuances of belief inside every religion, right? Like, you're not talking about, when you're talking about the Mormon church, you're not talking about 17 million people that all believe that the earth has become a, become a like like a glass and a crystal ball and we're all going to receive our own planets and we're all going to, like, you're not talking, that's not what you're talking about, right? You're talking about, and it's the same thing with Islam. Uh, you're not talking about however many billions of people is it billions of people i don't know what the exact number is but it's a lot of people it's that follow, follow the religion. It is over, it's over a billion, billion people there so. so you're not talking about every single one of those people believing the exact same ten tenets right we're not talking about a list of things that muhammad wrote down and now everybody has to believe those things right it's there are nuances and like you said every single person has their own spiritual journey that even if they right. have found a community where they're like i've i have enough in common with this community that I feel safe and protected here, safe to, to, to share my faith with, with, sure. with these people. Right. Which is, which is all a religion really is beyond the, you know, bureaucracy that some, sometimes pop, pops yeah, up around man, it. But, people get caught up in the, like, you know, like there are fucking nuts and everything. There are yeah. nuts politically. There are nuts patriotically and nationally. Like yeah. anything can be a fucking religion if you want it to be. And absolutely yeah, people fucking adapt it for whatever into whatever you know what? weird thing. But like, I think what you're talking about is sort of like recognizing that, yeah. like, yeah, the personal relationship that everybody has with mm -hmm. whatever their beliefs are and their personal experience. And I think that the nuts sort of lose the personal experience and just go into this like collective, like we should kill people who don't believe what we believe. Like, yeah, yeah that's not a personal experience. That's you being indoctrinated into something completely different. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, so I was reading, I was reading this thing actually about radicalism is that, is that, uh, uh, specifically within the context of Christianity, because let's face it, Christians were radicalizing Jesus long before any other religion oh, yeah. was, was doing it. Right. Um, so once the, the, if you study like radical Christian groups, even all the way back to the crusades, right. If you study radical Islam groups, right. The, the core tenet of them is that they actually like radical groups always become more similar to each other than they do to the thing that they first started their radical radicalization about like, like radical radicalism. The one thing that radicalism worships is radicalism. Like it doesn't matter. It's the same thing, no matter where you put it. It's like radical Christians yeah, don't, super don't fucking, love Christ. It's super They don't rigid. love Christ. No, it's super yeah. rigid. They like, love money. <laughs> radical anything is super yeah. rigid. And what you're talking about in terms of being like, yeah, open to information. I mean, like when you're radicalized, you're just completely walled off. There's no, there's yeah. no openness to other ideas. Like you are completely bought into one single <laughs> worldview. And at that yeah. point, like, I don't know what the fuck you need. A, a padded room with medication for two months maybe <laughs> i don't know 
a human connection is what I would say that you need, probably. But uh, that's, a much, I, I, that's much better. I, than mine. <laughs> I mean, like that's that's <laughs> probably a valid as well. They're both they're both valid, you know, valid answers. I I, I suppose that padded rooms exist for a reason too, right? Depending yeah. on, on what you've done. No, but I think you're done. right. I think a lot of those people are sort of just lost, and maybe they just need somebody outside of the group to look at them and see them and be like, hey, I still love yeah. you and give them yeah. a big fucking hug. And maybe that would yeah. be like, oh shit, I shouldn't kill other people based on my beliefs. Yeah. 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 That, I mean... I mean, and I, I, I'm coming at this from like a... I tend to do this, right? To come like erring on the side of like compassion and empathy and stuff like that because that's... That's, that's kind of at, at, Well, that's that's what I am. And I recognize that it's not always realistic, right? Or... or, or but, uh, but it's the fucking... That's the good word. At least yeah. start with it, that's though. The, that's... Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know, man. I... I know that, like, I can be compassionate to a fault, you know, and it's 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 mm-hmm. hurt me at times. But like, I don't know. It feels right still to like lean into that. Yeah, and I think you're right. Starting starting from a place of compassion can can make a lot of difference. Even if even if that does take you to a place where I need to set up some boundaries and not talk to you anymore. Yeah, because you're yeah. you know what I mean. Out of love for you, I am. You canceled. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I love you. It's so hard. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to learn, though. Yeah. So, and and especially to have like <laughs> compassion for the people that you have no understanding for. Like, oh man, like know. that's that is that is the crux of it, right? Dude, I'm everybody so... can be everybody can be compassionate to people that are the same as them. For sure, like, I'm that's, so fucking... that's not hard. <laughs> I'm so pissed off at so much of America right now. I was telling Dan earlier, I went <laughs> I went on this rabbit hole of some like Karen's Gone Wild Instagram account of just people, <laughs> just the worst fucking side yeah. of America. People, there's yeah. one of this dude like in Southern California, he's at, uh, it's in Santa Clarita and he's at mm-hmm. like a gas station and someone on the grass next to the gas station, this, this Mexican family has set up this little like fruit stand. And he's yeah. there being like, where's your fucking permit? And like the cops are coming because like this isn't the fucking ghetto. And like you and, it's just, and yeah. the dude is so gracious. He's like, yo, man, he, he keeps calling him friend. And the guy's like, I'm not your fucking friend. And he's like, I wish we were because none of this fucking matters. Like, I'm just trying to yeah. feed my family. Why do you care? Right. Why don't yeah. you have any compassion for what yeah. I'm trying to achieve here? And it affects you so minimally. Um, yeah. But anyways, I am so fucking pissed at like these other fucking it's it's white Americans right now that I'm most upset with. And it's very difficult for me to find compassion for them. Sure. Especially on a day like today, like watching all those videos. I'm just like, man, (laughs) fuck all these people. I want to fucking kick every single one in the mouth. Fuck them. Yeah, man. I do. And I can have compassion for that experience that you're going through right there. I I understand. (laughs) I I get that. That's. And I, but I, I totally understand. Yeah, I think I also really understand. Um, maybe people in the black community yeah. also saying like, "Hey, don't tell me to have compassion for my oppressor right now." Like, <laughs> I also, oh, like, I, yeah. I can, I can definitely like feel that as well. Um, oh, hundred percent. I think it's a compassionate place that allows you to say it's not. That's not. That's not my role here. My yeah. role is not to teach them how to. Well, nope. <laughs> from a more mystical perspective, I would say that it's just like, it's all fucking valid at the end of the yeah. day. Even the hate, mm-hmm. even the hate is sort of, yeah. it's part of human experience. And like, you know, I am sort of feeling the same hatred towards that 
group of people as they feel yeah. towards minorities and shit. And I think yeah. to what you were just talking about, Dan, like I saw this thing recently of this black woman who was living in upstate New York and her neighbors were like threatening her with guns and like fucking harassing mm -hmm. her and leaving dead animals in her property and like leaving shit everywhere. Like actual yeah. shit. Terrorist shit. Is literally <laughs> terrorist. She's being terrorized by her fucking neighbors because she is black. And yeah. her response was like, she became sort of social media famous as the story came out and people started showing up for her. And she was yeah. like, do not terrorize my neighbors. That is not no, what this yeah. is about. She was like, sure. I'm, I'm praying for them. And yeah. I do, I do not stand for like brutalizing their shit. Like right. then we just become them. And it's like, I don't know when you see that shit, someone who's actually living it and you're like, well, fuck, that is definitely the better way. Even though I, with my like half justice boner really want to be like, mm -hmm. and then a group of people came and fucking burned that dude's house down. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck that dude. Fuck him forever. But it's like, oh, no, it's better yeah. for the, for her to be like, no, don't hurt him. Like we're trying yeah. to all love each other. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's the harder response, right? It's more difficult. It's not the natural response at all. Right. Right. The natural response is you wronged me. Now I'm going to wrong you back. And then it never ends because we keep on going back and forth. Eye right? for not bitches. The vicious cycle, <laughs> the vicious right? cycle. Indeed. Um, I, I think that, so I, I've given a lot of thought to that too, because I mean, given, given the current political climate, like I see a lot of pain out there and that's, that's that that is hard to reckon with right uh the pain that 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 you can't control and you don't feel like you can do anything about i i just i've, I've come to the conclusion that the best thing to do um is just to amplify amplify voices right and, and all of them don't like uh, angry voices loving voices all, all of it it needs to all be out there right um and 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 most of those voices don't have a platform and i think that um it's it's our job right as the ones with the the privilege to do so uh, to, you know, amplify voices and then get out of their way. Right. Cause they, at the end of the day, it's their community too. So, um, I, I, I certainly, I, I have faith that that would land us in a place that doesn't result in like anarchy and destruction and stuff like that, 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 the, that the loving part of us would, 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 uh, would prevail. Right. Um, I, I don't know. Um, looking back on history, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a mixed bag, right? You've got, you've got the civil rights movement where good stuff came out of it, but at the same time, most of those black leaders were assassinated or put in prison. Yeah. And it, so, like, it did stuff for the movement, but it didn't cure racism no. in, in this country, you know? And to your point about amplifying all the voices, like, I think that actually has been crucial for me in the last couple months, um, yeah. is seeing the like racist people in America on fucking video yeah. and being like, Oh, so we are fighting something super real because yeah. there's entire communities that are just being like, it's fuck anybody that isn't us. Yeah. It's not yeah. just the people. It's not just like that small percentage of people that showed up in Charlottesville with no. the tiki torches. No, like it's this way deeper. Like no much deeper. And it's like, yeah. And it's just rooted. Right. In that's yeah, yeah, I think yeah. It's so yeah. systemic. That's how you get the fucking white person in New York and central park being like, I'm going to call the cops on a fucking uh, like professor who happens right. to be black. Who's just walking bird his fucking watching. dog right. yeah, and bird watching. Like, yeah, dude, some real fucking like normal shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You need to see that to realize like how sort of like deep this shit runs. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, that's one of the reasons why, I, why I think that, you know, 
the words of the words of Jesus, the words of um, any any prophet really who's tried to teach people to be better. I mean, uh, Gandhi said a lot of the same things, even to the point of Martin Luther King, who was a Christian, right? But he tried to amplify that for the black community. Um, I, I think that's why those words become kind of the things that they taught become immortal and they take on a life of their own in, in some sense, because people always need to be reminded to be kind to each other. For like sure. always. And I think Martin Luther right? King summed it up really well in terms of prophets. I mean, there's all kinds of prophets over history, right? And some of them sure. are potentially violent, but the ones that yeah. end up like living on and standing and creating cultures and like religions and shit, those sure. ones were not preaching violence. And like when Martin Luther King sort of summed things up and just like, you know, the darkness mm-hmm. cannot drive out darkness. Only the light can do that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we're talking about, right? It's just like, right. it's love is the answer and it's, and it's a cliche and it can feel fucking weird in a moment like this, but like ultimately it's what has to be done. It's the only way yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a tough, I think that it's, there's going to be like a tough period of reckoning for, um, I mean, people, people of all faiths really that are, on on you know on each side of of the, the political aisle in America, right? But just uh, it, specifically because I was raised in a, in a Christian community, right? I can say that my my community has has a reckoning reckoning ahead of it, right? Where it needs to recognize that there are things in our history that do not align with the man that we claim to follow, right? Right, uh, and it's time for us to, the color, to the come to terms man. with that. The colored man that we yeah, call. I've started, I've started <laughs> right, calling Jesus right, my favorite gay black Jew. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, he was never married in a time where that was sort of weird to be thirty and not right. married. And uh, yeah, he was from fucking Middle he had East. 12, he had and twelve he was Jewish, male so he, best friends. Yeah, exactly. He's my favorite 30s. gay black Jew, and he had some yeah. fucking knowledge to drop. <laughs> and and yeah. at the end of the day, like like I that's that's the best thing about him is that he is for everyone every single human experience that's the whole that's like the central belief yeah of jesus is that he he lived for everybody right his message is for everyone he experienced every what everyone experiences Dude, right in a and world so, in a world that was so much more divided than ours right now yeah right where it wasn't even just like oh our country's divided it's like no the whole world is against everybody like i'm not against france right now i don't give a fuck what france is doing whatever like all of africa like you're fine you're good whatever do whatever you want like to heavy extremes just killing people right right right. back in the day like everything was fucking divided and he was so inclusive his whole yeah. me- like you're saying his whole mess of message was like no no no, no. we're Absolutely. we're pulling in everybody and we got to focus on the ones who were like on the on the very outside like those on the edges and those yeah. that have been pushed out of of, of society altogether like let's mm-hmm. focus on that yeah and i think that that the same reckoning that the jewish community went through back then when christ went among them and, and preached like his thing tell them like don't worry about the romans like that, that's not your big deal right now. Like, cause that was their whole thing, right? They were, a, they were a vassal state to the Roman empire and they right. had to pay taxes and they were like, they were like, Oh, we're being oppressed and we're going to have this savior that comes and liberates us. Right. Uh, and, and Jesus came, uh, and, and whether you believe in his divinity or not, right. Uh, his message primarily was no, you, you fit, just fix yourselves. Right. There's a lot wrong here before you can even worry about what the Romans are doing. You can't control what they're doing, right? But but stop, first of all, stop beating up poor people and s- stop subjugating your own people yeah, and stop using to... spiritual authority to, to, 
to exercise unrighteous dominion over other people and thought control, right? For sure. He was talking to a bunch of Jewish leaders who had been to keep this thread of, of this Nietzsche right. story. A bunch of mm-hmm. dudes who were caught in the camel phase, right? These mm-hmm. Pharisees who were just like, yeah. no, the law. Like, we all got to follow the mm-hmm. law. And it's like, no. Like, yeah, we're missing what you're talking about. Like, we're, you're missing the personal experience now. Like, you're missing your own journey and opportunity to, like, become something different and better and more right. healthy and integrated spiritually. Right. And I think that there's a large there's a large subset of Mormons specifically, because that's what I can speak to, right? But evangelicals, too, that... Um, that almost associate uh, Christianity or God with America, right? Or yeah, the idea yeah. of America. I don't see a lot of Mormons out there fucking picketing gay funerals or weddings or like doing. That's true. You know, so I don't <laughs> know what the fuck is up right? with that, but Brutal, like Mormons, yeah. Mormons do lead with kindness. I think anybody who yeah. has known a Mormon or like grown up with like these are you are very kind, loving people, and and sure. not about hating. Like no. at all, um, so yeah, it is sort of interesting that maybe it's just because Christianity's been around for so long and, and has gone through so many different, you know, sure, like movements and formations or whatever. But like, we do yeah. have a lot of fucking hateful Christians up in this country who are like, yeah, I yeah. love Jesus, and also fuck you for being whatever the fuck <laughs> you are. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's staggering. Uh, yeah, and I think you're you're absolutely right. Like, I don't I don't see any members of my local congregation going out of their way to to oppress, like like directly oppress other people, right? Right. Um, and I, and I think that I think that harkens back to the fact that we do have a, a, an identity. We identify with the oppressed, right? We experience that as a culture. And like I said today, I think it's more of a persecution complex than anything else because I don't think that we are as oppressed as we were, right? We're a very prosperous people, for the most part. Yeah. Um, but uh. I think, I think what I notice because I'm like, I try to engage as much as I can with my fellow, like, uh, religion mates, I guess, or whatever, those who share my faith, right. I try to engage them about these conversations and challenge the assumption that, cause I, there's this belief that America is a choice land, right. That America was provided to us by, by God or whatever. It's the, it's, it's the manifest destiny stuff all over again. And I was like, I, and I always, I always try to challenge that and be like, that's problematic for a couple of reasons. Right. It's, and right? it's also very cultural. Like it's, this is not a religious thing. This is yeah. what the culture was when Joseph Smith started this. That was yeah. sort of the idea at the time. And like, yeah, we have its ugly fucking stepchild now. Right. Still rearing its head. Yeah. Exactly. So there's uh, there's a lot of things to be to be reconciled with. I think. Um, I mean, beyond beyond the fact that I'm I'm a, I'm of the belief that heaven's not some place that like we we just go to when we die. I think it's our job to make it here. Like we this yeah. is we've we've been given the earth, right? Yeah, we talk, let's, we, let's do something good with it, we, right? We have talked about that a lot doing this podcast. That we we think that's like oh like often overlooked like the whole Mm -hmm. creating heaven on earth thing it's all about like the afterlife and Mm -hmm. which is very dangerous because it teaches you so early like uh to just basically like disregard death it's not even like don't Mm -hmm. fear death or like don't it's just like yeah whatever you know like because when you die then you're you're gonna go on to something better and I, i think that that you know who knows? No one knows what happens when we die. But I think that that's sort of right. culturally and intellectually dangerous to put on a child because, you know, then you're 
like let's say you move beyond that belief then your first experience yeah. of death with impermanence is like so fucking heavy whereas when right. if you, when you're five when your dog dies if your dad is just like yeah the dog is gone yeah we don't know what where <laughs> it went spiritually right. we no one can know but yeah. the dog is gone lives on in our memories but like everything is going to die i mean yeah. like this is a truth that that i feel like yeah modern christianity with this like pushing of like heaven and afterlife is like yeah. really tried to like circumvent this very basic like and and yeah. super like important human truth of just like impermanence and everything dying one day right i i i i, I totally agree i i think that I, I think that understanding that we're, our time as people is limited, or at least as we're existing as people now, right? I, I do have a belief that uh, that we're, I, I believe that we're eternal, but I don't think that we have the opportunity, we will always have the opportunity to affect as much change for the better in other people and the experience of other people as we have right now on earth, right? Living as, as human beings, is this is our opportunity to, to, you know, uh, improve upon ourselves, improve situations for others to, to learn how to love and, and to, to grow together and stuff like that. So, and there's a, there's definitely an end to that opportunity, right? It, it doesn't go on forever. You don't have an endless amount of time to, to, to make the best of what you've got. Right. so absolutely. Yeah. Well said, well yeah. said, <laughs> um, I'm curious. These are good questions, guys. I'm curious, uh, like, do you receive being somebody that, you know, st still is in the church and, you know, mm -hmm. obviously like has, that's a part of your, your community. Um, do you receive like a lot of pushback for, I don't know, you've been pretty vocal in your social media yeah. about like, all, about <laughs> yeah. like what you think is right right now and, and justice yeah. for like the black lives matter movement and things like right. that. Um, do you, receive a lot of pushback or get yourself you know into some uh some interesting yeah, I think, conversations I think, that way i i think if uh i think you're not getting pushback you're um you're probably just talking to a wall right i i i i think that not that i seek it i don't seek conflict necessarily but i don't think it's un totally unhealthy either right um and I'm, I'm certainly not not doing what i'm doing well I don't know. I should probably be honest about it. I, I am a bit of a poster, right? I, I, yeah, but dude, I, it's so I, I like important that. for you in your, you know, like you're not necessarily in an echo chamber Yeah, and not to like, you know, judge your church or your community or whatever. Cause I obviously, I don't really sure. know anything about it, but like, you know, yeah. I live in Portland. Most of my fucking Instagram followers, you know, I don't even have that many, like they all pretty much for the most part think like me, if I post something being like, Hey, this is fucked up. Like, almost everybody yeah. is going to be like, yup, sure is. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm not, I, so that is more yeah. sort of posturing. Cause I know that like, if I'm doing right. it, you know, like everybody, I'm not changing hearts and minds. I'm not going to like start a dialogue with someone where you, yeah. you might actually do that. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I think, yeah, that, that that's, that's kind of why I wasn't always like super vocal on social media. Right. I think just recently, uh, maybe it's part of my own uh, personal evolution or whatever. I've just I've recognized probably that I'm in a unique position, right, uh, to maybe have access to some conversations that maybe other people can't, don't feel comfortable with, right? I have relationships with people that I know don't believe the same way I do, 
Um, and, and that we'll never, we'll never come to an understanding with people that don't believe like us if we don't have conversations with them. Right. Um, so, uh, I actually, I was reading a, a thing that a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine from college, he is, he is a conservative man. If he was, if I were to like classify him politically, he probably leans libertarian. He's very Christian. He's Mormon. Right. But he, he, uh, he posted something about like what, like the way that our current political system is and how we're getting, we seem to be getting further and further from each other. Right. Oh yeah. Um, in, in terms of thought and how we understand the issues in the world and social things. And we, we tend to just classify them in the sense of these two opposites. Right. And when we talk about conservatism and liberalism, um, we're really just assigning labels to things that aren't us. <laughs> right. Uh, a lot of the time, right. If I'm a conservative and I call someone a libtard or whatever, it's just because they disagree with me on some conservative talking point. Right. You're and if like I'm a labels. liberal person, Right, exactly. So, and that's, but that's how we perceive a lot of the dialogue that goes on, and it's not being helped by our current political system or by the, the nature media. of current 24, 24 hours news networks. Absolutely, like that's not helping it at all. But um, I think that when we at, at its core, right, we're talking about the two halves of the same exact equation. We're talking about the, the, on on the liberal side of things, you're talking about a central, like your central focus or value is of um, benefiting the human experience. You're talking about progress. You're talking about free thinking. You're talking about finding solutions to human ills. You're talking about compassion and empathy, right? And on the conservatism side of it, you're mostly thinking about where are we going to get the resources to accomplish these things and how is it going to change my life for the worse, right? Yeah. Um, right? So it's, it's a primarily a focus on, on what's, what's the logic behind it and let's be careful and make our decisions slowly and, and resist change because we don't know what it could be and we resist uncertainty. And those are two things that both need to be talked about with every problem, right? That it's not like it's exclusive to one or to the other, right? And so it, but the problem is, is that we've got the one half of the equation just talking to itself, basically shouting at a wall about we don't have the resources to do all this stuff without considering even the human empathy aspect of it, which is like we have some real social problems that need to be addressed, right? And on the liberal side of things, you've got this at all costs. I don't care what it is. It's not acceptable for even one person to die, right? Um, which makes sense from a compassion standpoint. I don't want people to die. No, no one right? wants that. Um, well, it's fucking Daryl does out in New Hampshire. <laughs> we fucking hate you, Daryl. <laughs> Fuck you. He wants people to die. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Amazing. <man. laughs> we don't get any. We we don't have any real fans or people that email in. So Andrew is just yeah. creating characters of, of of folks out there. Oh, I was hoping Daryl was real, man. That sucks. I mean, Daryl could just, be real if you oh, want Darryl him to be. Daryl is very real. The Daryl, idea yeah. of Daryl. The yes. idea of Daryl is real. He is yeah. real. Okay. <laughs> and he lives in New Hampshire in a cabin and he fucking hates he wants people to die. He's like, fuck this COVID <laughs> yeah. thing. Anyways, carry on. So I, the, the point being that like the left hand side of the question, the compassion side is all sitting there telling each other Trump is bad or Trump does bad things. Right. Um, but yeah, they all agree already. Right. All those people agree. Right. And all these people agree. But none of them try to find this place and this, this pool of shared meaning. None of them try For to sure. find the spot where, and everybody like my point, my point being like this group might be mostly centered on reason and resources and the, and the, and the conversation about like limiting progress and not doing progress for progress's sake. And this camp might be mostly focused on social issues and social justice and compassion, but it always bleeds over. There's nuance in everything. Right. And so if we 
limit the amount to which that we interact on a personal level with each other. We limit the ability for us to have the whole equation laid out in front of us, right? For sure. And to actually solve problems. Um, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, that's, that's not okay. really about religion. I mean, but. I, think, I think that's actually a very interesting concept. One, I think it's made incredibly difficult right now by the fact that Donald Trump is just so unlikable and unagreeable oh, as man. a person. And so yeah. for the entire liberal side, everyone is just like double down on like, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, which I yeah. get. But I, in a classical understanding of these concepts of conservatism and liberalism, and, and again, yeah. like taking it outside of the political language and bringing it more into like the psychological realm. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right in the sense that, like, they're both aiming for the same thing, which is just, like, mm -hmm. good, happy life. And they're right. approaching it from different angles. And one is, like, yeah, I want to hold on to traditional values and hold on to tradition and keep the status quo. And the other one is, like, I want to evolve the status quo. And I think that, like, yeah. a lot of people make this argument of, like, well, the reason that the two-party system sort of works is, like, you have these two things balancing each other out so that we can actually move, evolve in the right ways and keep the right mm -hmm. things. Because we might yeah. lose some of the right things if we didn't have some people advocating for, like, hey, that one we should keep, actually, because uh, it works, like, you know. Right. I, and I think I, I honestly, this is going to sound a little bit like I don't have any actual like concrete proof of this, but I think that the current two party system isn't working because both sides are colluding with each other to stay in power. Like yeah, the, the, the two sides of, of the two sides of the political spectrum are are in cahoots almost to consolidate power amongst themselves and become more and more extreme because they know the more people they can get to the yeah, extremes. Dude. It, it more just, they can hang on to their little so yeah. it's not a real conversation it's not a genuine it's not a good faith argument that anybody's making right we're not right. having a real conversation about issues everything that's happening uh very much plays into the plan of the divide yeah like yeah absolutely um, so crazy yeah i i think uh that's the more more than ever focusing on um you know principles and a, and a principled approach to, so, to problem solving right where you're not you're not taking positions you're just focused on like okay what's the what's the principle that should govern this decision that we're making right because principles don't care about left or right they don't care about uh, moral ethics or any of that stuff it's just like hey here's a here's a fundamental truth about the universe we can all agree on right so let's use let's use our understanding of that our shared understanding of that to, to attack this problem together and, and, and be, be attached to the problem so that's that's kind of my relationship with religion and, and I guess uh, spirituality is that it helps me to form these principles to live my life by and to help me to solve problems and whatnot. So anyway, right on, man. Would you? Uh, how significant was like your mission experience as far as like informing or changing your lens of just being around people that were completely different? Then you, you know, you touched on like how important those being uncomfortable situations have been for you. I would imagine that that's got to be like a top of the list when you're a foreigner oh, yeah. in another country and <laughs> you know that this is kind of like your fate for the next couple of years. Yeah, man. I don't think I talked to anybody for the first like five weeks, man. It was scary. Um, so just, uh, um, yeah, I think any any time you take a kid as young as I was, like doe-eyed, you know what I mean, just has no idea about anything and no idea how much he doesn't know, um, and and put him in a put him in a situation like that, it's it's uh, 
for better or worse, it's going to be a, it's going to be a shocking experience. Right. Um, and, uh, I think that the first thing is learning to, you know, learning, learning to see, see people as people and recognize, recognize the human experiences. Uh, there are some things that are universal no matter where you are, right. That people are experiencing like everybody, no matter where they are, is trying to take care of their family. Right. Everybody's trying to put food on the table, right. Do the, doing the best they can. Everybody is trying to find a way to feel productive and, and purposeful, right. To, to, to find a, find a purpose in life, whether that's to create things or to build things or to, or what have you. Right. Um, or to inspire other people. Um, and, and people are just doing the best they can with what they got. And some people don't have a whole ton. Right. And they're just, you know, they're, they're moving along with it. Um, I mean, a couple, a couple of specific experiences, I guess, come to mind, but they're, you know, it, most, most of them have to do with me and my, my American 19 year old brain, just having uh, misconceptions and, and, and kind of misunderstandings about other people. And then just like learning to see them as human beings. But, was Argentina um, like your first encounter with real poverty? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. So my, 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 and my parents, like both of them came from kind of broken families. My parents knew, knew poverty, right? They, they grew up that way. Sure. But American um, poverty is different than a hundred percent. Some of these other countries. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. I've been, I've, I grew up in the church and I've been on, we talked about this with my dad, been on like missions to Mexico where it's just like, yeah, yeah you see some shit like what you're talking about you know, very graciously, yeah. it's just like, oh, well, they don't have a whole lot. It's like, yeah, they pretty much have nothing but, uh, <laughs> through an American lens, you know? Right. But what they right. have is they have each other uh, and they have laughter yeah. and love. And I think that like can be very eye opening when you're like, oh shit, but they seem really happy though, even though right. they right. have nothing. Yeah. I, uh, so there's a, yeah, man, I, I walked I, at one point, um, in, in, in one of the cities I was in, we, me and my companion walked into a house that was like, it was four concrete walls and a flat tin roof and a dirt floor and a rag over the door for a door. And there was like, it was nine people sleeping on the floor of this place. Right. And that was just where they lived. There was like a kitchen table, right. And a fridge and then a bed for mom and dad. And then like pads down for the kids to sleep on and stuff like that. And here these people are offering us food, right. They're like, here, come, come eat with us. And that's like, man, that's, uh, the ultimate that'll change Jesus. you. That'll change. That'll change you. Man. That's, that's, that's the ultimate not... Jesus move. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. the equivalent. I mean, they have so little that that's the equivalent of some stranger coming into my life and me being like, could you use $5,000? Yeah. Would that be helpful to you? <laughs> you know, like they're giving so much yeah. of what they actually have and they just are yeah. doing it like happily. They want to, no one's forcing them to and do that. Coming out of that, there's nobody in the world that can convince me not to give money to a guy that asks me for money. Like, guy comes to me to the gas station, asks for some cash. If I have cash, he's getting the cash. Like, I'm giving it to him. I don't care because yeah. nobody can convince me that, like, I don't know that guy, right? But I've I've seen people with literally nothing give me all. Like, it seemed like all they had left, right? For no other reason other than they wanted me to feel welcome and loved, and yeah. that's that's it, man. And you were like gonna buy an energy drink with that dollars that you get you know yeah. like you're obviously right. like in a pretty all right situation if you were right. gonna go like buy a bag of chips yeah. and an energy drink at the yeah. gas station um yeah man i have a disposable income that makes me better like that makes me in a better position than them to begin with so yeah it's uh i i, I 
Uh, even the word better sounds bad. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's just more fortunate probably is the better word. Right. But, um, anyway, what was your, how did you feel about like trying to share the message? Like with the people there, like what was your yeah. experience with doing that? So, um, there's a, there's a pretty, and, and you guys have talked to other guys that are on missions. You probably understand by now there's a pretty structured approach that they give missionaries. Right. Um, which again, is not all bad to give kids Dude. structure. <laughs> I mean, we talked. Right? You, you listened to that episode we did with our, our friend Jacob. Uh, yeah. And like, we talked a lot about it, like the respect we have for the discipline that is in yeah. like a religion as, you know, as rigid or even like on that yeah. mission of like, yeah, we wake up every day and we do some physical ac- activity and then we eat breakfast right. at this time. And like, that's, that's good yeah. for a person. And you also know? clearing yeah. up the misconception that like when you're a Mormon on a mission, you don't just wake up at 7 a.m. and like knock on your first, uh-huh. first door at 7.30 <laughs> and then like call it a day at 6 p.m. and go home. Like that's not what you're doing all day, every day. Like you're doing no. so much more for the community. Uh, and the yeah. focus is more on like trying to help the community as, you know, proselytizing is sort of like a back, a back door, like almost an afterthought. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I went even further than that. I think that, I don't, I'm kind of, I do best when I don't have boundaries, I feel like, right. Um, and some structure is necessary for sure. I've got to know the rules, right. Or, or like where I can play, I guess. Um, I, I, I like to think outside the box and not adhere so much to what I see as like bureaucratic kind of nonsense restrictions on things. Um, and so I think my goal as a missionary eventually towards the end, obviously evolved over time because I was considered a junior guy and I was just kind of like learning when I was first in the field, but I evolved to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try to be a valuable member of this community. And when people want to know things, I'm going to tell them what I know, right. Or what I believe. And, uh, and, and when I see, when I feel like I see that someone could benefit from, from a conversation about like, Hey, let's, let's talk about the fact that I, I think that someone loves you, even if you think no one loves you. Right. Um, that, that those conversations tended to open themselves up. I, I wasn't a huge fan of going around and knocking doors and like putting my foot into people's lives and stuff like that. I, I adhered to it, but my heart really wasn't in it when I was doing that. I preferred to just find ways to, to get involved with the local membership, right. To develop relationships with those people and, um, and try to try to at least convince them that I wasn't like, they weren't, they're not a tool or a number to me. They're human being. Right. Uh, regardless of where I come from and regardless of the fact that I was wearing that stupid monkey suit. Right. Um, right. And I think that's sort of the whole point, right. Is that like, and I think learning about this from Jacob and sort of what was staggering to me and sort of what I maybe I'm sort of piecing this together right now as I'm kind of stoned. What what puts into focus, like why Mormons are so kind, like you're the community is just so kind uh, and loving genuinely. And like, mm-hmm. when you look at the way the mission is structured, it really is structured in a way of like, no, we're going to the community, like to just help to be a presence because we have privilege and we are fortunate. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. help where we can. And yeah. yeah, like, you know, part of that comes with like, obviously there's the knocking doors piece, but that piece seems like even that was like, it's pretty small. Uh, and even mm-hmm. for you and, and maybe you could talk about like, you know, if this is true broadly, but it seems like you got that. And like Jacob definitely got that too, of just sort of like, 
well, we're here to just like serve and love people. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, if we end up talking about shit, like great. But ultimately, like the most important thing is just to serve and love them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and beyond that, I, I, you know, and my companions too, not just the people that were there with me. Right. I, yeah. Um, they, they were definitely part of the equation because I was paired up with some guys that I would not choose to be friends with. Let's say that. Right. Yeah. Um, and learning, learning how to, cause if you're going to live with someone for six weeks and be with them like all the time, you don't get by very well if you don't learn how to love that person. Right. Um, or at least find some common ground somewhere, man. You just have to try. Cause you, you can seem like you're polar opposites at first. I guarantee you though, if you, if you try at it, you, you can find common ground with anybody. Um, and, and that was, that was an important lesson too, that there were just uh, it is, like you, you might, the, the, the first, the, the first judgments we make of people are so powerful, but they're often, often, right. Completely unfounded and based on shallow assumptions about why people do things and it's they're not, we're not really on, understanding why bullshit evolutionary, like psychology <laughs> principles with you just like yeah. having these like flash judgments based on like some in-group out-group thing or what, yeah. whatever the fuck, but like, it's all completely unconscious yeah. and it just is served to you. And like, it's sort of up to you to then invoke something deeper to be like, I'm going to override that. Cause I know yeah. that ain't, real use use that cerebral cortex man it's there for a reason you can't just uh can't just ride through life on the on the on the lizard brain yeah man that was uh that was something i didn't know like that was something i didn't really i guess talk to you in depth about like i i think i maybe just assumed that you had the same companion the whole time and yeah yeah i think that that was yeah that must have been such a huge part of the learning experience do you think that's all like also after your mission it's like pretty common that you get married like pretty quickly after is that that's true right so i would um i I would say in general yeah probably that's that's general generally the case so i would say like that whole like six week rotation and you having all these different partners has got to be like Uh that's got to be helpful if you if that is the route you go um as far as like getting married right away because yeah. like relationships are like so ever changing, you know, and, and people, because people change, you know, and, and yeah. the dynamics shift. So oh, yeah. I want, yeah. I wonder if that's like, like a really helpful tool in that, in that road. I definitely, or route. I think it's an experience that's unique to, to, to Mormonism, probably to young Mormons. Right. That it is there's not unique. a lot of others. I mean, just thinking of like sort of this it's almost like a speed dating in terms of like get to know a new person and like how to live with them and it also like you benefit from just being taught through experience like okay yeah so i don't fuck with like carelessly messy people because that (laughs) shit drives me insane so i'm gonna not marry someone (laughs) like that you know like you just sort of like get to get a, a little crash course and all that or I need I need I need someone around me who's gonna point out painfully obvious things because I'm a freaking airhead and I'm just not gonna you know what I mean? I need someone to remind me like, hey, you kind of smell, right? Go 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 put some deodorant on, take care of yourself, stop being such a slob. Like I I, I think that that's that's part of my like like overactive you know I obviously lean towards more more towards the creative side of things, but I think one of the side effects of that is that I don't pay attention to the thing that, that a lot of structured people consider to be. So I need that structure, right? And I'm 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 married a woman who is the queen of structure. So that's uh <laughs> that's yeah, that's one of the things I'm grateful for her for. So um I'm assuming I mean 
I feel like this has got to be true too. I feel like maybe you and I even had this conversation that you felt like, you know, that while she may be the queen of structure, like you also like intentionally married somebody that was also a free thinker and yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah. And my, like my wife is, has her own, you know, spiritual journey that she's on. And we talk about that stuff a lot. Right. And we want to make sure that we are understanding where each other is at and, and are being understanding of each other's, each other's perspectives. Um, so that we can support each other wherever we are on that spiritual journey. And I always, the first thing I recognized about her is that she fell outside the mold, right? She just wasn't, she wasn't about to fall in line because she was expected to fall in line. She thought for herself and she was always 100% authentic. Like that was, that was key. Right. So those are good things. Yeah. Um, and all the other stuff, like she happens to like a lot of the same music I do too. And that's just like, <laughs> that's like cherries on top. Right. But for sure. Um, yeah. So like, what, where do you, where would you say you're at? Like with religion and spirituality, yeah. like now, like what does it mean to you to be like a follower of Jesus and like what, yeah. Just like how, yeah. how do you feel like your, your ideas have evolved? Right. Um, so it's been interesting the last couple of months. I think the last couple of months have, have probably taught a lot of us what kind of, uh, what our relationship with Jesus is <laughs> a lot of us who have, are used to like going to this community where we're all, where a lot of us probably feel supported by that community, or at least some of our faith like buoyed up by that community. I now all of a sudden we're like, Hey, do that stuff, but at home by yourself. Right. Um, so I, I think what, what, um, I don't know if, um, you guys have been on with a lot of people since the pandemic started about some of the changes and stuff like that, but like we've been doing all of our, like, like this, this, this course sacrament meeting that we have every Sunday, right. Which is where we all meet. And we, it's like essentially the, um, uh, same as the communion, right. Um, in, in the sense of like, it's representative of our covenants that we've made with, with Christ. And we're expected to do that at home now. And so I think, I think, uh, well, what I've, what I've learned from that experience is, is just that I, um, where I stand right now is that I, I value very heavily my personal relationship with, or what I, what I would describe as a personal relationship with, uh, Jesus Christ, as I've tried to, um, do what I think that he would do in any given situation based on my understanding and based on how, how I've tried to come closer with him through either through, it's just like normal thoughts or, or taking care of, of other people or being patient or trying to do the things that he would do, even when it's not easy to do them. Um, I value that a lot. I am not a person that, um, gets, and I, this is going to sound selfish. I don't get a lot out of communal worship. Bottom line, I'm more of an introvert. And so I'm introspective and I like to think about the stuff. I do love to teach though. And so I think that you guys have probably realized I love to talk about what I think about <laughs> spirituality and I can talk forever. Uh, but um, those are probably the most rewarding experiences I've had in church is when I'm, 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 I'm leading a discussion during either Sunday school or something like that about a given topic. And I'm able to, maybe in subtle ways challenge uh, the ideas that people have or present information uh, in a non-traditional way. Right. Um, uh, as far as like for the religion itself, I mean, I think that I think it's the best, it's, it's the best that I've found. Right. I, it, for me personally, it's um, I, I, I think that um, man, religion, religion and faith are so interesting. It's not something you can prove with physical senses, right? It's, it's, it's always going to be like that. It's always going to be this like, kind of 
out there thing where you're just like, I believe this thing and I believe it enough to do, to, to do all these other things because I think that that's the best way. Right. And, well, uh, and I, I, uh, I think that there's also value in like, like when I left Christianity, you know, I sort of went looking spiritually in other places for a long yeah. time and ended up sort of coming back to Jesus's lens because I was like, mm-hmm. this is what I was raised with. So it's the language that I know yeah. to help me best understand the personal experience, like what you're talking about before right. of how, like, you know, it's the personal experience with with God or the divine or whatever that, like, matters yeah. so much. And, like, that's what – if everyone could tap into that, like, that's what would change the fucking world overnight. Right. Um, yeah, and I think in a lot of ways it's like, you know, maybe you find it with something else, but if you were raised in something – pretty strict like in the in the camel sense then when you become a child in your later years of life you end up going back to that playground unrestricted mm-hmm. this time you know yeah. and not feeling weighed down by any of it but it's a place that you know and and can operate from comfortably yeah I, absolutely i would say that but if i'm even if i'm not comfortable about around large groups of people i i am comfortable with you know I'm comfortable with something that I know going back to something that I'm familiar with. Right. It's, it's familiar and and feels, feels safe probably. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think I've like also like kind of come back to those, like those core Jesus teachings being like where it's at and like the lens I also appreciate, but like similar to you, Seth, I, the like showing up to the building never really did anything for me. (laughs) Yeah. So like, it's kind of like left me in a place where it's like, I don't personally like feel the need for that group, like to show up to a group, I guess in in some way. Um, Mm -hmm. hopefully I'm getting that like fellowship in other places. Like I think I am, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, we're doing it now, right? Aren't we? That's, I mean, yeah, that's like, that's kind of the objective of this podcast. I was in some literally ways to, just know, thinking. Like, literally, it's like we. It, it's like our stoned Bible study. Yeah, like I was just well, thinking I mean, how grateful I am for these conversations. Like as Dean was talking, just like, yeah, I was like, fuck, like I don't have that aspect of like spirituality anymore in one sense, but in another yeah. sense, I do. Like we do this created, every week. We do this every week. We've created that. Like yeah. this is a weekly ritual that we do. And yeah. these conversations typically run like 90 plus minutes. So they're, and they get deep, you know? So like yeah. it's, it is food for the soul in its own way. Right. And, uh, I mean, the man said it best where two or three of you are gathered in my name, right? Like it's not, it doesn't say like that it has to be under some specific building. Like we're coming to learn about, our connection with something greater. Right. And I, there's always going to be value in that. And I think that all of us as human beings have, have an equal capacity to recognize and to, um, to like, to, that pulls us towards truth, right. Or, or something, something greater than ourselves. Right. Or recognizing the truth that we can learn from others or whatever. Right. So, yeah. Right. I think you, you just hit it. Like we're also so different, like similar to the, like, you know, liberal and conservative sides, striving towards the same thing through yeah. different means. Um, I think each person is looking for the same thing and has their own mm-hmm. unique approach. And like, there's a lot to learn from other people in, in that sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, 
I'm super stoked that that you came to do this with us. <laughs> and you were well. Thank you. I really down. appreciate you guys having me on, man. That's the, I, this is this kind of stuff. Like I said, I love it. Um, it's not a big group of people. It's with somebody that I'm already I already feel comfortable with. I have a relationship with. Right? I'm getting the chance to meet someone new and and get some new ideas out there. So this has been this has been good. Yeah, man. Um, um I I still don't know a lot about uh, like I guess you guys. And <laughs> I I meant to come on and like ask questions about uh, like where you guys came from as far as your beliefs and stuff like that. And I feel like it's been been a lot of me but um i mean that's usually what, what it is but that's yeah, you know true, and but. we can always like do this again and um, you know totally. um but yeah andrew you can tell seth how you kind of like what what your upbringing was with yeah you like said you were because you were pretty you were in christianity you were, very, you were very deep into it where where mine was like a much more casual as we've talked about, just like a little bit more cultural within my family is like, I identified as being a Catholic. I went to church on Sundays. Um, but like the message never, like it didn't really, like I said, even at that age, it never really did anything for me. Um, I don't think I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't curious about those things yet. That wasn't right. I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't seeing things through that lens necessarily. I think I was like much better at just, living in the present moment at that time Mm -hmm. as like a a younger person, you know, and just like, I don't know. I had structure in my life in other places and it was like playing ice hockey, much like you did playing travel ice hockey. Like that's like four times a week, like in your life and you're traveling places. And it's like, yeah, this is how I live my life. This is what I do. And that, that's where I got like probably a lot of my discipline outside of my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, house and whatnot. So I didn't, I didn't really seek it. And, uh, I think later, you know, early to mid twenties is my like rebellion against it. And just like being like, what is this God like, like stuff? Like, I don't, I don't like really know if I like fuck with it or understand it, but like I, uh, yeah. And then like later kind of coming back to it in my my late twenties to where I'm at now in my mid thirties of just like being like knowing that I've always been like spiritually curious in some way. And like my -hmm. spirituality has been a part of my being, like whether I I knew it or not. And now I'm just like trying to lean into that as much as possible. And, and, uh, like the, the whole idea of like me wanting to do this podcast in the beginning, when I told Andrew, I was like, yo dude, I, I want, I've never read the Bible. Like, like for i mean i've i've definitely like gone through it a little bit Mm -hmm. as a kid but never nothing ever clicked in so i've never like really read it as an adult and like let's just get baked and read this bible and we did it (laughs) and it was and it was cool because like i saw it through this different lens where i i wasn't like i didn't need to point out the absurdity of like the the metaphors and whatnot you know you know it's just like yeah, it's like there's a message in here though. If like you read it from different perspectives and like, right? I don't know. We just took this more mystical approach with it that has like really connected with me. And yeah, like these these talks that we have with people and like just the <clears throat> exploring that we've kind of like done on our own on the episodes where we don't have guests and we're just kind of going through chapters of the Bible with different perspectives on the thing and maybe like simplifying some things in some ways, but maybe make them a little more far out and psychedelic in some, because we, we fuck yeah. with that and that's changed both of our lenses. So 
yeah man i mean that's that's kind of where i'm at right now like i appreciate yeah. the fellowship of it obviously or i wouldn't have like encouraged it to happen for sure it's the reason i do my other podcast every week is because of those things that you talked about, about like challenging yourself. Like most of the time I'm challenging myself to like put myself in this conversation with a stranger. A lot of the time that I don't know, this is my first, this is my first time hanging just like you and Andrew right now. Your first time hanging is like exposing things about your being. And like that can be an uncomfortable place to be. But I think like it, it like, it moves mountains in some ways and it like builds like deep connections with people. Even if you have like this one time encounter with them, there's like, it's like, Oh man, like I would probably like hang out with this person again, given the opportunity to a fire or if I ran into them, it would be like a really comfortable situation now because we've had this opportunity to to like get to know each other. So yeah, I went, I'm glad I'm actually glad. (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned psychedelics actually because that's that was something that I I uh, I've been thinking about that a lot lately um, not because so um, I've I've never done them myself and uh, and I don't uh, and there's not any real reason for it other than that like I mean uh, it just has never been I, 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 honestly that the opportunity is not like readily available I guess I don't know it's not like I, have, I like know a person I don't know a guy I don't Mormon I like, and you live in Salt Lake City right now like people aren't walking down the street being one time yeah, I like... walking around downtown Portland and some dude was like Yo, if you buy me French fries, I'll give you some acid. Yeah, dude, like, and I missed the acid part, so I just went and bought him French fries, and then I came back with the French fries, and he was like, "So, how much of this acid do you want?" And I was like, "Oh, none. Like, I don't take acid from strangers on the street." But like, that opportunity was presented to me by just existing in Portland, yeah, Oregon. Dude, some it, homeless right. dude was just some homeless Jesus was like, "You trying to talk to God?" Yeah. And I was like, "Nah." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> enjoy your friends. Oh friends. man! Even growing, I, yeah, even growing up, like in in suburbs of Southern California, like it was. Yeah. I the time, the times that I tried to obtain mushrooms or heard other people trying to get psychedelics, it was like a quest, like a two day. Oh, yes. Like you had this like very planned out. <laughs> you're going to and a different then, city. You're and, going to a different city to get it. You're not getting it from so fucking like Corona. Two weeks ago, you or Louisville, this. Colorado, where yeah. I grew up. You're not fucking getting psychedelics in there. No. You have to go to like some weird house. It was like a weird side entrance, but like, here, I'm so glad we're talking about this. Dude. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Cause this, that's a world that's been like inaccessible to me. Yeah. I'm like, I've always had questions. I walked into your house one time, Dan, when you were living in an apartment in Corona and I just saw, I saw pot on the, on the table. Yeah. And I was like, I looked around at first. Cause I was like, is he growing it here? Where is he getting it? Like what's, what's happening? Amazing. Where do you get it? Yeah. I mean, Where's that, the access? I, I don't that, understand. At that point I had a, a recreational marijuana cart. So like, Oh, okay. From yeah. the time I had my own apartment and even before that I had a cart. So I kind of like did it on the up and up more or less, you know? So, yeah. um, like before that it was just like, yeah, man, you just, Marcello's was the fucking, oh, yeah. we worked at this place <laughs> called Marcello's pizza. Uh, Dude, I love that job. It was, was it was some of my favorite times probably with Seth. Like it's just yeah. like working this, this fucking pizza delivery job together. <laughs> so good. Um, and oh, just the, the characters that you meet in a place like that, but like oh, they always sure. had to connect on, on getting weed. So that would happen. Yeah. Often. Well, and it's crazy. Like, I mean, when I was going to, co- I didn't start doing doing drugs or drinking booze until I uh, got into college. I was pretty, like, straight-laced in high school. Um, But we always, like, you know, it wasn't until, like, a couple years into college that I got my, like, weed license and started going to weed stores. 
So yeah. it was, and it was still like technically illegal. So you had to be sort of like, you know, on sure. the download about it. But now like weed being legal for so long in Oregon, um, and it's just so normalized. And I think that mushrooms are next. I yeah. mean, at least in Oregon, legitimately, like yeah, it's sure. on the ballot to get right. legalized and has already been on the ballot to get legalized and just, it, they didn't vote for it, but like, right. you know, it's gonna, in the next 10 years, for sure, mushrooms will be legal the... in Oregon and people will yeah. start to see that like, while mushrooms, I think are an incredible spiritual tool. I mean, like the most powerful yeah. spiritual tool, but also yeah. in that, because they're so powerful, like they are not to be fucked with in the same way right. that like even edibles, like when they, when they made marijuana legal in Colorado and all these people yeah. who had like never been high before were like, well, I don't want to smoke something. So let me just like eat this cookie. And then they eat this cookie and they go on a fucking 12 hour fucking journey. Yeah. It's like <laughs> mushrooms. It's like that times right. a thousand, though. So it's just it's, bad education, yeah. too, though. Yeah, you, know? you just gotta take. Yeah. You gotta respect I, I'd agree it. With that. You gotta respect it. I think you gotta respect Absolutely. marijuana to a degree. I mean, all of it, really. They're all just like tools. Absolutely. Anything yeah. that's so mind altering. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think mushrooms is next, which is going to be really interesting because uh, talking about you know, sort of changing ourselves so we can change the world. Lots of people who have taken psychedelics are like, well, fuck, man, if everyone could just have that experience that I had on mushrooms, yeah. this world would be super fucking different. And I, you know, I sort of agree with that where I'm just like, yeah, if, if everyone could have that like fully and it, it doesn't require mushrooms to do it, but mushrooms is just like a fucking fast track. It puts you, you know, in, like it doesn't think, give you a right. choice. I think really. you've had that experience <laughs> probably. You've probably yeah. had, you know, a deep communion with God or whatever. Like, yeah that mm -hmm. that has transformed your life and made you the way that you are and a lot of people you know raised outside of religion they don't have that but mushrooms can sort of like in the right context and with the right person it can give you that in a such a deep and profound way that like you basically take a lifetime download of spirituality yeah. and and presence well, and man. heaven on earth and then you For just sure. like snap out of it and you're like what the fuck just happened yeah yeah, which yeah. that can be its own jarring experience if you don't if you don't treat it the right way and give it like space right. on the backside. Like you don't want to go to work <laughs> the next day. No, you got to like, you you decompress. A few day, for you real, decompress. Man, <laughs> a few days you to integrate. <laughs> no, seriously, you should journal and like fucking work on the because the experience is heavy. Yeah, mm. it's that, not fun. It's like climbing to the top of a fucking mountain. It's work, but when you get to the top, right. you're like, holy shit, this view. But yeah, it's it's miserable, and like the next day, you're yeah, you just want to lay around. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't uh, I didn't do any psychedelics until I was thirty. Uh. And the first time, like the first real time I did it, I did like a pretty heavy dose, and it was yeah, it was. <laughs> I feel like it was it was, but it was like the most like yeah, close to God. Yeah like experience right. you know like and like reflecting back it's like yeah there there have been other moments in my life that have like recognized as being like yeah, similar things or water. like or like just things that like completely shift your foundation you know right and sometimes those are negative or positive things sure and absolutely like dealing with the fallout of all of that is like is the game sometimes and right. i think mushrooms like puts can sometimes like yeah just like really lay things out for you in a way to like right. maybe compartmentalize those things or like confront them in some ways and it's mm -hmm. not a cure 
like in any way no. like there's no, no it's there's no of, vaccine it's like, a, like your friend a, ryan said yeah. like there's no vaccine for like life of like it's not a cure-all mm-hmm. but like it can be i think for some people when treated like with respect or at least our experiences have been that like you can like get some tools maybe yeah i mean the experience just like you can with like any other life experience that's what makes mushrooms sort of the ultimate like any real prophet or spiritual teacher just gives you knows that they can't show you your own personal way they can tell you Mm -hmm. about theirs but they can't show you they can't give you the exact recipe you're gonna have to sort of figure that out for yourself and mushrooms in that way is this weird spiritual medicine that sort of has that same embodied vibe of like, I can only, I can just unveil some things for you, but like, and, and like Dan said, like give you some tools, but ultimately like you got to go forth and like, you got to get, find your own redemption, you know, it's yeah. But it does it. I mean, it's just like, it really, the deepest experiences I have, I'm, I'm being a total mushroom fanboy right now. But the deepest experience I've had, I have been like a lifetime download of like spiritual knowledge, uh, which I obviously do not retain because I'm a fucking, you know, my normal dipshit self uh, now. But like even just retaining a fraction of that was, you know, Mm -hmm. has impacted my life in such a meaningful way. Yeah. My my thing about it is like. I don't know. I do like to always mention that I think all of it is a, a very slippery slope, you know? Sure. Indeed. And I think even like, like people like Ram Dass talk about that and other like spiritual gurus will kind of talk about like, yo, like once you've yeah. got the information from this, like you don't need to like keep having these like life shifting, yeah. hang up the phone, uh, yeah. experiences, you know? And <laughs> I, I think, like and, and I think maybe I like you can phone. like use them in like different ways and maybe in some like much lower doses where it's not just like this yeah, life, a, a gentle reminder, life altering things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that they're absolutely like a a slippery slope. And I probably also say that because like I'm a fucking ball of anxiety, you know, like those experiences like have definitely helped me with some of that stuff of like, you know, the ego and like letting control just like because you just really like if you go deep on them, like you have to surrender to it. Yeah. You know, that's Mm -hmm. like part of like. Either it the, forces you or you let it happen, yeah. but like it's right, right, yeah. Right. If you take um, enough, that's what's going on. But yeah, they can also be incredibly profound, and I've had like kind of both experiences. But that's the profound cool. ones are like yeah, they're life shifting, and those are those are like moments that have like taught me so much about like compassion. I think, especially like yeah. the perspective that it's given me, and like something I've talked about a lot about on this podcast is like. Yeah, we're all just out here. Everybody's just out here trying to... Most people are trying to do their best. And most people are not... Like, their agenda is not to, like, fuck up your life. And I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of, like... A lot of that you put on people. Of, like, oh, why is this person doing this to me? Or, like, you know, why is this happening to me? And it's just, like, just slow down. You know, like... (laughs) Take a breath and, like, figure out, like, the root of these things. And it's probably going to be, like, a lot of you a lot of the time. I was, uh... For sure. I was, uh... I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. He's he's also a member of the church. They're good friends of of ours here in Salt Lake. Both me and McKenna have him over sometimes. And he, uh... He just recently got a a medicinal marijuana uh, card here in Salt Lake. 
um, just for because of a personal il- illness, right? That's you what it was for. Medical weed in fucking Utah now? Yeah, yeah, it's legal. Holy yeah. shit! Um, I think it was just last year, actually. It was it was kind of it was kind of recent, and there was like a big argument about like some of the finer points of the rule and what David, was going to be legal and what wasn't. Whatever. That's unthinkable to me that Utah has <laughs> has come around on that because they're like sort it's, of the last state that people would expect. You know, obviously, right. like, yeah, California and Washington and Colorado, everyone's like, yeah, fucking bunch of hippies. Of course, they legalized it. But yeah, man. Yeah, that's sort of what I was talking about with mushrooms being legal. It's like, it's going to be normal in 20 years sure. for everybody. Like, it's going to be a normal thing that people are like, oh, yeah, dude, I went out to the desert and did my spiritual fucking mushroom ceremony and it was wild. <laughs> like, and yeah. people will just have these awesome conversations that they can, like, yeah, open yeah. and share with each other. It's I don't know. I look forward to that. I think and like honestly, it's the coolest thing because like if it if it hadn't been that case, right? If we if we hadn't been able to access that conversation, let's just have a like like people if you, people in Utah hadn't been able to just sit down like hey, let's have a logical like non emotional conversation about the benefits that this drug can have for sick people for 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 whatever, right? Um, and, and in these specific cases, there could be a lot of value for it. And, and certainly like Dan says, it shouldn't be like, it shouldn't be treated. You should treat it with, with, with respect for sure. Right. As um, but yeah. yeah. And I, I think that there's value. So I was talking to Chris the other day and, and, and he was like, look, man, like I, I'll be honest with you. I've had, like, he was telling me about some of the experiences that he had. And a couple of the times were because he said that he, he was getting, was getting used to the proper dosage and he kind of like, he went overboard a little bit at, at first. Right. Um, but he talks about like, he talks to me about how it kind of strips away all of these. Cause I think that we're, we're, we're pattern centered creatures, right? We, we, we like to understand the world in the, in the sense of these very easy, easy, simple to understand patterns. Right, we want to put everything um, and recognize we put things. everything into a category or a bucket or whatever. Yeah. And that thing, that makes us feel safe, right? That, that makes, makes the world predictable. And, and we tend to shun things that don't fall into those patterns because they feel unsafe. Right. And I think that the experience he was telling me is just like, Hey, like, let's just destroy all that. Let's just knock it all down. Right. And then help you kind of rebuild in a sense, right. Help you, help you experience yourself truly, fully, uh, and, 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 um, uh, authentically. Yeah. Right? That's, I think um, that's really it because ultimately marijuana or mushrooms or whatever like you know you're you're basically laying it out right now like you can already intellectualize it you can think yourself through it but you can't feel the stripping away right it's so you could i'm sure you could find a way without drugs there's no doubt yeah yeah like jesus i don't think jesus had fucking drugs i don't think that no you know the buddha had drugs like they figured it out but the drugs are a tool that like allow you to actually get that shit stripped away, which is, it's so difficult to do when you're just like fucking living in a society to strip this, the fabric of society itself and see a perspective out truly outside of it. I mean, it's just, yeah, it it can be jarring when it happens, but Mm -hmm. you know, to your friend's point, like it can also be just incredibly beautiful and you know, it's so giving to you as a person and your spirit. Definitely. Like on top of the fact that it's like, it, it helps him with his pain and stuff like that. Like he's like, like gaining this like further understanding and stuff like that. So I, yeah. Yeah. I remember doing that, that first big dose and I don't know. I'm genuine, like generally somebody that like holds a lot inside, but I feel like I'm 
fairly good about like reflecting upon those things and kind of like working mm-hmm. them out in my head and whatnot. Yeah. But I just remember the uh, like physically feeling the weight removed from my shoulders and just like mm-hmm. feeling like completely free of like all of these burdens. And right. I was just like embodied weightlessness and just kind of like realizing mm. like, whoa, like you're fucking like and I just like started crying at that moment. And, like, I think just, like, kind of realizing, like, whoa, dude, like, there's a lot there. Like, probably yeah. don't need to carry it all. Yeah, like, you're, you building, don't have you're building this giant monument that's on your shoulders. You built it. Yeah. And you're carrying it around, and you don't understand why you feel so fucking sloggy. And it's the thing that you built with your mind that you carry on your own fucking shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, like, also, you know, trying to figure out that balance of, like, compassion for people and like how much space you allow for like bullshit and kind of like knowing like when to put those boundaries up like you were talking about seth and like yeah that can be compassionate behavior too and uh yeah just like not trying to like solve the world's problems or your people's problems you know and and like have to like just shoulder because like yeah just like the instinct is like well let's just like what's what's good for everybody like i don't really care like about my own needs or whatever like trying to have that approach but like there has to be this there has to be a time where you where you do like tend to your own needs or you can't like contribute to the group 100 percent either no yeah so there's a there's a book it's one of those like self-help books it was written by a guy named steven you guys have heard of the seven habits of highly effective people yeah have you heard of that book for sure yeah so he talks about he and he starts with the inner battle, right? The first four chapters of the book are like, no, you like let's start on the inside and fight the inner battle first, and then 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 we can move out, right? And we can start about t- talk about like fighting the the external battles where, we, where we're talking about like your relationships with other people and developing empathy and stuff like that. But the first thing you you always got to start by cleansing this, right? Like take take care of this because that's that's your primary responsibility, right? And I'm not I'm not saying that to mean that you take that care of that at the exclusion of those around you or by not having empathy for other people. But I think, I think what the point of that is, is like, like, well, let's, let's develop the ability to, to put a mirror in front of yourself and take an honest look at yourself and recognize like, Hey, there, there are some times in my life where I have done things that go contrary to what I believe in. Not only that, but they've hurt other people. I've messed up in ways that are, that are really significant and have caused harm to other people. Right. And, and there's probably nothing I can do about that. And that's just the reality of it, but I'm still worthy of love, right? Like none, none of that, none of that stuff precludes me from, from becoming a better person. Right. And if you can develop the ability to just not like to just make an honest assessment of yourself and not attach an emotion or, or, and it's difficult, right? We've been taught to frame these things in the sense of how we feel ourselves or our self-esteem, whether for the positive or the negative, but I think developing the ability to just recognize like, Hey, I make mistakes and that's okay. Cause that, cause that makes me like these other people, right? right? That well, makes yeah, it the same. It doesn't make us different. Like what you're talking, what you're outlining right now is sort of like you, it's literally so much harder to have compassion for other people. If you've never had compassion for yourself. Yeah. You know, like what mm-hmm. you're just talking about in terms of like, yo, it's okay to just to sort of stumble through life sometimes and like to fuck up and yeah, you gotta like, yeah. you gotta forgive yourself and that will help you forgive other people. Cause you'll remember like, Oh yeah, that person that that like that's doing this thing that I'm looking at on Instagram that I'm like fucking reprehensible bullshit. This is insane. It's like, yeah, but I've done that. 
I have done that yeah. to somebody in some way, you yeah. know, like, you know, maybe yeah. not like violent shit, but you, yeah, you know, it's, it stems from the same fucking well. And I've done that and I forgave myself for it. So like, I am yeah. now basically obligated to forgive that person for it. Cause I did it. <laughs> I mean, what it cer- fuck, certainly you know? opens the door to being able to forgive that person. Right. right. If you haven't, it, like that, that's the way that we develop like permanent walls is by not being able to reconcile our own mistakes and, right. I mean, and the things people, that we don't like about Karens ourselves. That right? I see on Instagram fucking shouting about masks. It's just, just like, you are so fucking angry and sad. And like, that is a person yeah. that has never given themselves an internal hug or a pat on the back yeah. and been like, Hey, it's okay. Life's is life's fucking hard. We're doing all right. We're trying. They've never given themselves yeah. that. And that's why they're out here just fucking screaming at everyone and being like, my fucking rights yeah. like yeah, my <laughs> people there's a lot of pressure on people or put upon them yeah you know for sure so like yeah get caught up in the rat race yeah and a lot of people yeah. you know especially as you get older and maybe you have families then you have all these other people that you're responsible for and yeah like yeah that shit's gonna so i the, there's a comedian named pete holmes uh and pete. he does it Petey holmes. Like, he like pete holmes dude i love pete, pete me holmes, and, dude i just listened to he just had the local natives on his podcast what? and that episode was fucking oh, no, rad kidding. it was great <laughs> uh-huh. you cool. would love it you check it out Seth. dude sure. i i should yeah I, I definitely will i'll look at it because me and mckenna both both love him and he he says it's part of a bit but it's something i really like that he says he says happy people don't steal, steal parking spots right like yeah, right. honestly like <laughs> Yeah, because like if like obviously if someone's doing something that you say like you're you're ridiculous like look at you it's because that person's unhappy yeah, right? right they're an unhappy person and so you getting an angry them that's that's not it's not changing their reality it's just making you unhappy with them yep right so for sure and, and it, I think at the end of the bit he just talks about spinning joy donuts in the parking lot or something <laughs> like that but it's like it's part of a bigger conversation but yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I just love that I love P Holmes. I wrote a song based off of something that he says in his podcast all the time, which is the way that I brush my teeth is the way that I do everything, Um, which I think is such Mm -hmm. a powerful spiritual principle and sort of goes to what you're talking about, where it's just like, if you can just, he says it in another way where he's like, Hey, if you are on the way to Hawaii to your vacation and you're pissed off on the plane, the beach isn't going to fucking solve that. Like, no. So, yeah, you're expecting these things to change, but it's really the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you can just embody, you know, love and compassion and kindness and joy, then, yeah, you would never steal a fucking parking spot from someone because you're just like, oh, actually, I like, no, I genuinely want you to have it. It, yeah, it makes exactly. me happy that you got it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Fuck yeah, you seem stoked. Yeah. Cool. I'll just go find yeah. another one. Like you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you that's two your, beats. Two beats. That's your lens at that moment, as opposed to <laughs> me pissed off, being like, "Fuck this person!" Like I need to fucking pee right now, and I want a fucking sandwich, and they just took the fucking spot. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. The the spiritually awake person is just like, "Oh, I'm so happy that that person got what they needed right then, and I'll get what I need, you know, when right. it happens. It's gonna be fine." Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amen. Cool. Dude, I love that. Amen. Um, I think actually now would probably be an appropriate time to share that Bible verse. I don't know if you guys have time. Yeah, please do. Hit us with with what you brought to the the table because it's obviously like really great for the the current times that we're living in. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I I think you're right about that. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you remember this, but this is specifically one of the verses I showed because you came to my farewell. Yeah. Talk when right. I went on a mission. The whole band went to his farewell before you went on your mission. Yeah. 
Well, and we yeah. made Marcelo's pizzas at, at your house. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> we did make pizza. Dude. Oh, thanks so much for reminding me about that. That was a great day. Yeah, dude. Uh, that was good times. No, and then this guy's this guy's making like Kirby 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 enthusiasm. He's making Kirby enthusiasm jokes out in the audience. Yeah, so, so I'm up so there. Now, now we see like how much I have evolved. And like, <laughs> you know, like I, like I was, I don't know, man, when you get, oh, I, man. I don't know if I've like talked about this on here so much, but like when you get laughs as a kid from people, that yeah, can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. Cause like you yeah. start doing whatever you need to do to get the laugh. Yeah. Cause and it's, like, yeah. I, and it's, like, it's its own drug. I'm like super fucking guilty of like, I've just like done a lot of shit that you know, isn't like the most reprehensible shit no. in the world, no, but, but you like, made it's just some like, people uncomfortable to get some laughs. Yeah. Or, or like, yeah. yeah or just did shit that was like kind of disrespectful at times. And like, now I, now I understand that I would, I would never like walk yeah. into a spiritual house or like a you know, place <laughs> of worship and yeah. like do something like that, you know, like, and yeah, it's, you know, what'd you do? You fucking, I think, I think for me, honestly, I just window? do like a symbol up at him. He understood yeah, it. He got it. Yeah, I totally understood what it was. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. He got a chuckle think, out of it too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, and I, and all I can remember is like the sound of Bert's laugh when you do that. <laughs> dude. It's like amazing. Dude. <laughs> that, oh. that man. I love it. That's amazing. I freaking dude. love it. I freaking love it. First laugh is contagious. It's, I can't not yeah, laugh dude. when I get laughs. Absolutely. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, this is one. Uh, sorry. Yeah. I'm, on a more serious note, let's I, talk I, Ephesians. <laughs> I. Uh, did you? This, this is one of the. Yeah, I did during that during that talk. So I thought it was like I thought it was appropriate in a couple different ways. Um, full circle too. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it's it's Ephesians six twelve and and just context wise, I like Ephesians because it's it's. Um, Paul talking to a group of people that aren't Jews, right? Um, that aren't his, like his, it, Paul was a Roman citizen actually. Um, and he, he, he became like obviously converted to, to Christianity. And so he was like, kind of like the, the way that the, that the words of Jesus or the gospel of Jesus kind of started to shift from just being like a children of Israel centric kind of thing and, and more of a humanity type of thing. Right. And that was always Jesus's message. I think that was that, was that like, Hey, the, the point, the point is not this, this, political struggle between you and, and the Romans, the point is, is, is salvation of the human race. Right. And how, how, how we can all kind of develop peace and build heaven here. Um, and so I think it's appropriate because he's talking to a group of his, his countrymen technically. Right. And he's, he's, he's talking to, a group, uh, to, to, to some people that have been outsiders to Christianity and are, and are kind of like looked down on. Um, but he says, so he's, he's talking about like all these different stuff that, that you can do to be like spiritually alive or awake and stuff like that. And then Ephesians six twelve, um, he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness in this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, and I think that that's a good, like, he's just gone through this whole like sermon basically in letter form, um, about, about you know, the, what binds us together as people. And, and here he's just reminding them like, Hey, the point is not like other people are not your enemy. Right. Ideas that oppress humanity, ideas that, that would use, um, the power it's specifically the power of God, but any power for political or personal gain above the, the benefit of others. That's what we're at war against. Right. Sure. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's just a, it's a good reminder to me that the other people are not the enemy. That the ideas, right? Uh, toxic ideas are, are the enemy, and 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 once once I think you 
changed the conversation to be like, not a, not a, I am against this person, but I am against the idea, like this specific idea right. of this person, or maybe, or maybe many ideas that this person has, depending on the person. Right. Sure. Um, well, I think you're, I think but, you're right. But the, and the problem right now is that we have a president who literally per- perfectly personifies spiritual wickedness in high places. Right. Uh, Which yeah. adverse. And, and so it makes it so yeah. difficult to sort of like, to have compassion, to focus on hating the the ideology that creates the person as opposed to the person themselves. It's, yeah. just, it's way easier to just be like, no, nah, fuck that orange fucking dipshit. Like, fuck him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I feel all the time. But yeah, I think you're right. It's just like, we're not, that's not what we're fighting. That's mm-hmm. not going to really get us anywhere because then we're just going to get some other fucking senile 70-year-old to be president who's a fucking part of the same bullshit system. So yeah. yeah, what we're fighting against is is an idea, is an ideology that like, uh, yeah, yeah, doesn't serve humanity. Yeah, uh, it, it, that ties back into to, to something that I really loved about uh, Professor Woolery's class of the Middle Eastern Studies classes because he he actually gave us a big, uh, a big a whole section on studying the psychology of terrorism and and how terrorism came to be, right? Uh, and and that like the folly of trying to fight an ideological battle with like physical bullets and missiles and stuff like that. Um, Cause you're, you're not fighting the right thing that the enemy was never the people of the middle East. And the enemy was never the people of these countries. Right. And it never has been the, the enemy is, I mean, at the end of the day, what causes terrorism is educated kids who feel marginalized and disenfranchised and have nowhere right. to put themselves. Right. They, they're educated and they learn about the world and they get so angry and they have nowhere to put it. Right. Um, and no one who's willing, willing to listen or care because they live in the middle East. And so at the end of the day, like we're, we're only reinforcing those attitudes and creating new terrorists essentially every time we drop a bomb. Right. So, uh, that, Absolutely. that was, we're that, literally building the thing that they're then fighting against. We're right. Which it is, it, which is in my mind, just, uh, you know, just backs up backs up the words of Paul's there words of Paul right that that I'm not saying that wars are never necessary that that wars wars are not it's not necessary to protect what you love and good things right when they come under attack but um certainly the enemy is never never other people that's not that's not ever the purpose so good stuff yeah hell yeah lots of good stuff Seth I'm glad that we did this man I think uh, those people that you have the opportunity to teach and like speak to, I think are, are very lucky to have you. You're a, a thoughtful dude. So, yeah, thanks man. I, 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 I really appreciate it guys. It's uh, it means a lot to me to be, you know, just invited to, to share ideas and bounce things off of each other and learn from, from, from your guys' experiences. I've, I've appreciated this a lot. You're good dudes. So our Bible study is always open to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice man. Uh, Nice. Thanks. Yeah, dude. I'm super glad we did this and we should, uh, we should catch up about, um, regular life stuff too sometime. Absolutely. Totally for it. I'm, uh, uh, I'm grateful that we have, uh, we have kept up with one another and maintained yeah. a uh, a friendship. Yeah, I, I I I really I really do value the friendships that that came out of that experience, right? The whole souls of views experience. That's uh, those have those have always been important relationships to me. I grew I grew and, and learned a lot as a person through all that. So for sure, man, we all did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, dude, thank you so much for for doing this. And honestly, you're you're welcome to 
to come talk with yeah. us anytime because I know that you, like you said earlier, you could talk forever about this, and uh, I'm sure that <laughs> so we could can too. I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Especially Andrew over here. Yeah. Um. Cool, man. Well, be well out there. For and, sure. Uh, Definitely. You guys too. Take care of yourselves. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. Yeah. yeah thanks, um. Seth. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, dude. Take it easy. So am I, am I ending the call now or are you just like stopping the recording? Like what's going on? I don't know yeah, how this works. You can really end the call. I, I, oh, okay, I, cool. I, I have right. to Sweet. go. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, but I, I would totally like cool. to uh, catch up with you sometime in the near future. And yeah, absolutely. Yes. Dealing with your life and shit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. No, no problem. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out for sure. Have a yeah. good night, guys. Take care, dude. Peace. Later. That's Seth McDermott. That's Good my dude. my childhood I'm friend, dude. So glad that you. I was like, man, like we're having a lot of Mormon guests. I think it's, it's really weird, fucking great, dude. Honestly, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. And he was that was uh, one of my favorite chats that we've done. In, in likewise, recent memory. It was likewise, great. and uh, yeah, just so many thoughtful things to say. And um, yeah, I went on way too many tangents. I don't know, man. It's just like the people that you know that we talk about. The ones that like really get the message of like yeah. the word and the religion and I know, stuff. That and, dude, and, like, I was Seth like, is, like, I was one like, of those yo, fucking take mu- take the mushrooms. You're gonna, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be great. Oh, I love, I love it's to gonna hear be about great because uh, you already fucking get it. So who knows what kind of superpower you're gonna fucking come back with? Also, we didn't like get into it, but like Seth is is one of the most like creative and like talented people i know like just an unreal keys player and guitar player and just like a writer a real great mind for like writing songs as well as like like i want to i want to catch up with him because i i know he's been working on i think last time i talked to him he was talking about like writing a novel and it sounds like he's been like putting work into that um, Mm -hmm. the last few years since i have talked to him so but yeah, just a really great dude. I'll put his 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 Instagram tag cool. there in the the episode notes and it's fun when you get to see someone like evolve like that, you know? Yeah, Over man. time like when you have like that, like we've known each other 25 years. For sure. You know. For sure. So Yeah, he's uh he's one of the good ones. We need we need more people like that in this world. Yeah, and we need more people like that, I think, being the ones that are spreading like passing on religious traditions and for sure teachings for sure absolutely all right bible buds <clears throat> send us a goddamn email we would appreciate somebody it. uh that information is all in the uh the links in the episode notes and all that jazz and uh smoke pray love don't be a fucking racist and then you go and you bless up <laughs> you go and you do it <laughs> you go and you do it right now <laughs>